0: Hello and welcome everyone to KSQD Santa Cruz at 90.7 FM. I'm Jacob Sheckman and you're listening to our show, What to Be, where we interview inspiring people and highlight their careers. What to Be is a program provided by Your Future is Our Business, a Santa Cruz County nonprofit that helps students explore careers through programs such as college and career expos, career panels, and other work-based learning activities. Please note, the views and opinions expressed in this program do not necessarily represent or reflect those of Natural Bridges Media or Your Futures Are Our Business. The information provided during this program does not reflect this career in its entirety. And now, again, so welcome, San Lorenzo Valley Middle School. It's exciting to host this in front of you guys live. For everyone listening down the road, uh, please remember that this is now a Zoom conference we're doing this over the internet and so please forgive us in advance if the audio quality isn't quite up to snuff. So finally, today I'm joined by Dr. John Gervetz. Thank you so much for being here today, John. My pleasure. And John is here to talk to us today about his career as a psychologist. So uh, just to get this thing going, how did you get this job? How did I get this job? Well, I you know, I
1: didn't even think about psychology when I was in high school. I didn't even think about psychology when I was in college, and because I majored in political science. And I found it later on, as I was attempting to figure out where I was gonna do and what I was gonna, what I was going to be. And my path led me first graduating from college in political science. When I graduated was when the war on poverty was happening. And the War on Poverty had something called Vista, Volunteers in Service to America. And one of the things that was a value to me, and that I wanted to be a part of my career, was doing something that was going to help, as opposed to be part of the problem. How to solve problems rather than make them. And um, so I went into Vista and Volunteers in Service to America. I lived on an Indian reservation up in North Central Montana for a while. Wow! And for. For those of you who are California kids, like I was, that was the coldest experience of my life.
0: <laughs> How cold did it get there?
1: It at one point went below zero stayed there for three weeks, never coming above zero. And then one day a warm wind came through and it went up to 40 degrees. And then at night went back down below zero. Oh so my! So this was over eighty degrees in one day. <laughs> That's mental <laughs> torture. How, boy, that was like awesome. I had never had that much change in temperature ever. All right. Anyway, I, I did that for a year, and then through time, when I was uh, going back to school, I was going to be a school counselor, but bumped into a psychologist who then sent me on my career path, which was to be a psychologist.
0: So tell us, tell us about your schooling. Um... Where where did you go to school, and what overall certification did you have to get and to to get to the point where you're at now? Well, to be a, there's different ways. I'm, I, there's a lot of different types of
1: psychologists, first of all. So, but, but as a licensed psychologist, where you can do therapy with families or people, um, and uh, which is what I do, um, you have to have a PhD. So, I went to undergraduate at University of California. Riverside. And then when I went to graduate school, I first went to UC Santa Barbara and that's where I was going to be a school counselor. And then I, when I, uh, after my masters to get my doctorate, I went to a school called California School of Professional Psychology, CSPP, which is now Aligned University. And it's up in San Francisco, or at least that's where one of the campuses are. I think they're, they have campuses all over. And that's where I got my doctorate. So, I went to about 10 years of college altogether, but it was a circuitous path. It was very windy, and it wasn't directly from point A to point B. Right. I stopped a lot of places along the way.
0: That seems to be a, a common theme in a lot of these interviews I've done. People rarely go into, say, college with the same idea that they actually end up with in their career, which is pretty fascinating. So, it's a lot, remember, it's a lot about this journey, folks. So, what, what would you say in a, in a normal world when you actually can physically see a a client or a patient, what's a a normal day in the life? Like with you, when you show up to an office, do you have a a clinic that you hold?
1: I have an office, but I'm in the office right now. So you're looking at, you know, a shelf of books back there and a picture or something on the wall. And, uh, that's it. There's a shelf filled with toys and all kinds of things because I have specialized in working with children and, and with teens and families. And uh, although I have adult clients as well. Um, so, yeah, I, I come to an office and and there's a lot of things to do. Um, I mean, there's phones to answer, there's mail to open, and then there's people to talk to, which is the most fun part because I'm a little nosy about what Goes on in people's lives. Sure.
0: <laughs> well, they pay they pay you too, so that's good.
1: Well, no, yes, that's nice. That's a good part of it. So you could be nosy and actually get paid. Yeah. Um, but it's, I'm interested in people and always have been, even as a, a young person. I was very interested in people.
0: And what's the that working environment like when you are are meeting with the patient? Does it, I guess it, may, it might change up. Does it range depending on exactly what it is you're talking to this person about? Well, the
1: I mean, there's the 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 office environment, which is always the same, Mm -hmm. Um, unless you're in a a state like we are right now, where I'm doing teletherapy. Much as we're doing right now, is we're talking over a a computer, and that's what I'm doing with my clients at this point, which isn't as much fun, to be honest. It's to be in the same room with somebody to experience their whole person is is certainly. Easier and, and more enjoyable, but yeah, that's the office is the is the environment, but the emotional environment is the thing that changes depending upon what's going on
0: in in the room.
1: So every hour is different, and you can see them as kind of mini dramas.
0: What what and, do you feel is is more difficult to um, to help with or to interact with your your clients over Zoom? So now that you can't really meet with people one on one what exactly is harder uh, about this internet connection i i don't know but i th- i think it's the satisfaction
1: that we that we get being with somebody i mean it could be somebody that i know well enough and we give each other a hug a virtual hug is <laughs> just not as wonderful not, yeah, you know it doesn't yeah. look good they, there may be something about and this is this is kind of the uh new a bit new but we're somewhat hardwired socially we're we're social animals and we're we we develop that way for for a reason um so that when we're with people we actually get a a chemical response oxytocin goes into our system and we feel good so when when y'all you know talk to a friend we get a certain jolt of this this uh chemical and it makes us feel good um, we get some of that over the over a, a computer, but I think it's it's stronger and more immediate when you're actually with somebody in the room.
0: Yeah, of course, there's nothing like that physical embrace. Yeah,
1: the physical embrace or just being seeing each other, being that close
0: so what what would you say is why do you think your job is important? How would you describe the importance of the position of a psychologist?
1: Well, it's actually grown. It apparently has grown in importance. And it's not just psychologists. There's a lot of other people that do the same kind of work that I do. There's marriage and family therapists. There's licensed clinical social workers. There's other, uh, there's, um, other kinds of counselors, school counselors, other people that do the same kind of similar work. Um, but the significance of it is that it's a place for people who to be able to take a step back and do some problem solving on themselves and their lives, and um, it's it's it's. I think it's grown importance in importance through time. If we look back many years, go back to like the 1940s, there used to be three generations that would live in a house very commonly. That was a common thing. Something like 80 some percent of households had three generations living there: wow. grandparents, parents, kids. By the, about the nineteen seventies, that fell to a very small percentage. So the structure of the family changed significantly, and so in some ways, I think the, the counselor, or the therapist, or the psychologist, or the, the marriage and family therapist, become kind of patchants. So what before when you could when you were having to struggle with your parents, and, and dad and son were arguing with each other, or dad and daughter were arguing with each, with each other. They could go to grandma, grandpa. <laughs> they were in the house, and they would say, "Well, you know how your dad is," or whatever they would do. And and some of that some of that kind of pressure would be released
0: that's when we were
1: more rural. It was that way, you know. The, the family next door that owned the farm next door was the brother of was your uncle, and you could go and spend a, a week there and, and get some break from your your family for a little while, and then come back. So and
0: the, and that's not available. Families have scattered. My
1: family lives all over the world
0: so it's tough yeah. yeah so so you're saying that because because these family dynamics have changed within the household or that they they don't exist because grandparents aren't there uncles aren't nearby and so forth that yeah. because of that people have needed to to go out more to seek that sort of counsel that that kind of counsel
1: other places because it's not so available yeah just in the family structure
0: wow interesting so i mean
1: that's my theory i
0: Right. Hey, you're, you're the psychologist. I'm going to take your word for it for now.
1: Okay. I'll take my word too.
0: <laughs> so uh, I'm curious, what would you say are, if you could maybe list three skills that, that you feel you have that make you good at, at what you do, or that you think might be valuable for, for your position?
1: I think, let me, let me think about it a second, yeah, but course. I think one of the top ones is a true and honest interest in others. Empathy for others so interest in how people how people function why people why people uh, uh, function the way they do Uh, and empathy for others ability to be able to understand how they must feel given their circumstance given the way they're looking at things and the other is uh, probably logical reasoning the science part of it yeah because psychology or uh, psychology is a science. It's not just therapy. Many psychologists—that's what they do. They're research psychologists, and they might be researching human beings, or they might be researching something else.
0: Did you have any research of your own at some point? To be a psych- to be a uh, to get a doctorate,
1: which you mm-hmm. have to have able to be a psychologist. Yeah, you have to do your own research, and uh, it it wasn't my strong suit. Right. It wasn't that I was most interested in. I wanted to get in and, and talk to people and find out their stories and find out what, what could I do that was going to be of help to them. And um, how could I understand how people functioned and why they did what they did and how they thought the way they thought.
0: Good. And that's great that you get to do that now. What would you say yeah. is uh, maybe one of the most common misconceptions someone feels when you tell them that you're a psychologist? The the funny thing about that—that's a good
1: question. Um, I could be at a party, and somebody says, "So, what do you do?" And I'm meeting somebody new, and they say, "I'm a psychologist," and they immediately think you're reading their mind. Oh gosh! (laughs) 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 uh Oh, you can see through me. You understand my thinking.
0: You're analyzing me. Yeah. Does anyone get fearful that the any question you ask might be have some deeper meaning?
1: At times. Not yeah. usually, but at times you'll get people who are, who then kind of put up a a, a little bit of a defense yeah. for fear. I might understand something that's going on with them or something.
0: For those who are just tuning in, you're listening to What to Be at KSQD 90.7 FM Santa Cruz. I'm Jacob Shekman, and today we're speaking with Dr. John Gervetz and learning about his career to becoming a psychologist. Uh, oh, actually, before I go straight into the student questions, I wanted to know what specific type of psychology do you focus on? What specific
1: type of like psychology?
0: Or if it's like type of psychology, I don't know if it's a, a study of or... You, you tell me. Well,
1: I'm a clinical psychologist. Okay. There, are, there There's about something like 19 different types of psychologists. Oh, my there's gosh. There's sports psychologists, for example. Any major sports team, college or professional, has a psychologist that's attached to it. And their job has to do with being able to help athletes perform at their peak during game time. That's their job. And so they work on something very specific that has to do with human behavior, which is how can I perform at my maximum when I absolutely need to? And every sports team does it. Those are sports psychologists. And so there's a lot of different types of psychologists. A lot of, like I say, a lot of them are research psychologists. They might be studying rats, doing you know what uh, <laughs> training rats to run through a maze or whatever they do. And uh, and we look at a lot of different fields of psychology. What motivates us to do what we do? Um, how do we perceive things? That Perception is a whole field of psychology. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot. Uh, social psychology is a big field. So there's a lot of a uh, lot of different fields. But mine um, is clinical psychology. Okay. And um, and so that that would that would be the general. Um, that's area. your area. That, that's my area. Yeah. All right. And that's is, where you're talking to people and looking at, and solving problems with them and that sort of thing.
0: Okay. Wonderful. So uh, I have a a fun question here. In what context? Because I don't know this. In what context would you use a Rorschach test? <laughs> That's a good question. Do <laughs> so you even know what a Rorschach test is?
1: For those of you who don't, it's a bunch of ink blots, and then people look at that. It's called a projective test, and those are used by uh, usually by people, and maybe not so much anymore. I'm not sure if they're using Rorschach as much because I don't do a lot of testing anymore. I used to, but I don't anymore. Um, neuropsychologists do. That's another field of psychology, neuropsychology. And they do evaluations on people and testing on people to determine if there are what the particular problems are and 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 how that might work. Now, the Rorschach test, all those ink blots, are, like I say, projective tests. So basically, they're just ink blots. But people read into them various different things, and somebody who's good at interpreting they can determine, uh, if, if somebody has a problem, if somebody has certain problems or don't have certain problems and that sort of a thing. But it's, um, I haven't actually heard of somebody using <laughs> it recently. Maybe getting uh, outdated, I guess. Well, I was trained in it. Okay. When, yeah. I was trained in ink and, and it's a, it's interesting because if you look, if you look at people interpreting something that's just a bunch of ink, where is that coming from? It's coming out of their heads. It's the way that they perceive. Mm-hmm. It's the way that they process, and that's what they're looking at.
0: Now, do you have any any strategies for our students regarding, uh, we'll say, psychological well being, and um, any strategies for them who are sheltering in place? Right. I, I guess everyone's cool. getting stuck at home, and
1: yeah, um, you know, I got to tell you, and I'm, I'm talking to kids from San Lorenzo Valley uh, Middle School, right? Mm-hmm. Like I told you earlier, that was my first job. Was working at San Lorenzo Valley Middle School and in, in San Lorenzo Valley High School. I was a school psychologist years ago, up and so I know that I know the area well. I have a great fondness for San Lorenzo Valley and the schools up there. That was my first job coming out of school. But, but one of the things that I, because I have worked with a lot of uh, teenagers, one of the things that I've I'm, that I'm finding is I think one of the hardest groups. I mean, one of the people that are uh, one of the groups of people that are having the the most difficulty with this is is teenagers, or are teenagers, yeah, because it's it's a period of development where going out and separating from home and and developing uh, peer friendships become the the kind of center piece of it. And um, now that we're sequestered at home, it's hard to do that. And so, so there's a lot of um I think more response from the teens that i'm talking to anyway it's really hard not to want to just you know skip out at night in the middle of the night and go find your friends and uh not advisable but it's the the urge is there to to remake contact with friends and stuff like that
0: what what kind of uh, ideas might you provide these students with um who are who are struggling with with staying in like what what can help them feel better during the quarantine
1: Well, I think making sure that you have things that you enjoy doing, projects that you enjoy doing, getting structure into your day, the same thing in a way that that I struggle with or you struggle with probably, um, Jacob, is keeping ourselves occupied into something that's meaningful. I mean, it's, it's easy to slip into, even for me, to slip into some silly game on my phone rather than do something that's productive and really feel good about what I'm doing but setting those things up and having those available and then each day setting a structure for myself getting exercise so even though we're supposed to stay at home we we can go out and get exercise and I make sure that I'm I'm up and I have dogs that take me for a walk so that that helps getting out getting exercise doing fun things
0: i have another i think this is a good question the, the students are advised Pretty, pretty consistently that they should be comfortable seeing a counselor, or a therapist, or a psychologist. And this student wants to know if that's true. Every kid that comes into my office is not
1: necessarily here because they want to be. Uh, teenagers in particular, they might be dragged in by their ear. And one of the funniest stories was a boy who I'd never seen, I'm looking down at my book and it's a new, new name, And right when I remember vaguely that he was going to come in, this kid comes storming into my office. He's about six foot three. He's huge. He must weigh 285 pounds. He was the the tackle for Aptos Aptos High School's football team. And he comes storming into my, my office and he slams his body down on the couch. And then he just mad dogs me. And I looked at him and I looked at him and I said, you look really angry. And he says, well, I am angry. And I said, well, it looks like you don't even want to be here. He said, well, I don't want to be here. And so I looked at him. I said, well, why are you here then? And he stopped and he thought for a second. He looked at me and he said, my mother made me. And I said, your mother made you? I said, would you stand up, please? And he stands up and I stood up and I'm looking up at him. And I looked at him. I said, man, I'd like to meet your mom. (laughs) How How could she get you to do anything? You're huge. And he goes, Well, if I don't come here, I don't get to drive. And I went, Oh, okay. So I looked at him and I said, Well, you came here, so go drive. And he said, It doesn't work like that. I said, What do you mean? He said, I have to talk. And I went, Oh, well, what do you have to talk about? And he said, And he goes down, the list down his problem. Well, my grades are going south and this and that. And he, he comes up with these. And finally, I stopped and said, Wait a second. Lee, those sound like your mother's problems. Maybe she should be in here. And he goes, no, they're my problems. And then he began talking. And by the end of the hour, we are laughing. I mean, it was hilarious. Um, and he became, a, a, he couldn't wait for the next time to come. Because he really did want to solve all his problems. You know, he didn't want, he was he was fearful of losing his ability to play football the next year because his grades were going down. Sure. But he wanted to be successful. But he was kind of blowing it at school. So that's an example of somebody who didn't really want to come to begin with, but ultimately, ultimately did. So, yes, no, not everybody wants to, particularly um, kids, because they're, 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 they're told to come. Or some, some come because the courts tell them to come. They got in trouble with the law and they said, no, you will go. That's part of your probation. Ultimately, my goal is for them, and I tell them this, for them to want to come and ask when's the next time to come and
0: talk. Yeah, absolutely a beneficial experience. I, I myself have seen a therapist several times, and I, I really all I can do is repeat myself, is that it, it's a, a great experience, and it's a way to help solve those internal problems that you feel you just really struggle with and don't know who to talk to about. So yes, absolutely your teacher is right. You should feel comfortable. Now, uh, how have you seen uh if if at all the societal views on getting psychology a psychologist or some kind of therapist to support you how have you seen that societal view change over the years
1: well there used to be a big stigma about coming to to see a therapist it would be like oh you see a therapist oh that's got to be a bad thing it's actually a very um i think it's a brave thing to do it's a brave thing to come in And trust in somebody else and tell them something that's bothering you. That's a, that's kind of a personal issue and sometimes very personal issues. They might be, you know, they, there's things that we don't talk to very many people about, but you would come in and you talk to a therapist about it. And they, the job, the job is not for them not to judge, but to listen and to be able to help understand how whoever's coming in sees it and feels about it. And what the problems might be attached to it. And so, uh, yeah, no, it's a, I mean, I've, it was a requirement for me to go to therapy. If I wanted to be a, a therapist, mm-hmm. that was one of the things we, that I had to do too. And it was, it was great.
0: Do you really? have maybe a, a proudest moment or a biggest success story? Any, as Anything you can tell with confidential, confidentiality in mind?
1: I have a lot of stories, just like the one that I told. Some of them are very long, but, um, most of the ones have to do with being able to walk part of the path with people as they discover and, and free themselves of whatever was holding them back in their lives and the awarenesses that they come to as they, as they move on. And it's kind of a privilege to be able to walk that, to be trusted by somebody. To, for them to allow you to witness what's going on with them really inside, and uh, I think it, rather than one, I mean, I could come up with given instances. I mean, where it might have been where somebody wanted to do self-harm to themselves, and I was able to help them see that that was not the way to go. That it was it was better to that they that they had value, that they that life had value, that sort of thing. So I mean there's some serious there's some serious uh, episodes that I could be quote proud of but more it's it's just proud of being a person who people have wanted to talk to um I've had people for example that I saw who were the age of the people who are watching t- today in middle school who came back when they were 25 30 years old and that's that that's a source of pride yeah. Uh, I'm proud that one one guy that I I saw he and his twin brother when they were 8 years old he's now getting his doctorate in psychology <laughs>
0: be a psychologist. and he credited you of course. I I was a mentor. Okay. All right. I'll, Good. I'll, I'll some credit but <laughs> he he deserves he deserves his own. Yeah. yeah. All right, so we're in our last couple minutes here. Do you have Dr. John any advice? or outgoing messages for our students here and for our listeners who will be tuning in later?
1: Uh, yeah, I do. Um, th- the first thing, I've, I've talked to a lot of um, classes, a lot of kids, about um, being a psychologist and that sort of thing. And they ask, I've asked that question often, what advice? There's a couple. The main one, play safe, take care of yourself. Um, I, there's too many sad things that have happened. I have too many stories of cautionary tales of kids who have gotten in trouble with drugs or alcohol or stepped into a car when they shouldn't have. And the, the disasters that have come through the office and the sadness have been deaths that were unnecessary. And so risky behavior, watching out for that. Don't get sucked into into some bad ways or if you find yourself moving in that direction that's the time to reach out and see about getting some support um or if you're feeling um in ways where you're you're feeling like what's the point what's the point why what is this all about reach out find somebody to talk to the other is wake up make your teachers work really hard pay attention tune in connect when you're at school, when you're on the team, whatever you're doing with your friends, with your family.
0: Beautiful. Thank you so much for being here today, Dr. John.
1: This has been a, this has been a pleasure.
0: Yeah. All right. And thank you, uh, our eighth grade students and to all of our listeners tuning in to today's career story. I'm Jacob Sheckman, and this is our show, What to Be, with today's guest, Dr. John Gervetz, who is a psychologist. If you have any questions or would like to share your career story with us, send us an email at whattoberadio at gmail.com. If you enjoyed our show, please join us again at 90.7 FM K-Squid Santa Cruz at 7 p.m. on Sundays or stream online at ksqd.org or visit our website yfiob.org for more ways to listen. Thank you and see you next time.